Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. And then, one not so very special day, I went to my typewriter. I sat down and I wrote our story. A story about a time. A story about a place. A story about the people. But above all things, a story about love. A love that will live forever. Good evening and welcome to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's movie, Moulin Rouge. Does it get any more absurd? <laughs> Beware spoilers. My name is Don, and to my right we have the prop master, John. How are you doing? And to my left, as always, we have the professor, Ken. I'm not a duke. I'm a writer. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside? I'm not one of those who can easily hide. Moulin Rouge. Uh, John, this was your period piece. Um, Would you like to know why I picked it? Yeah. Yes. yes. Please, could you give us a... Please. There were three very valid reasons why I picked this movie. Okay, well, we will decide what is valid and what is not, so please continue, good well, sir. First, it's definitely a period piece. Do you agree on that? Yeah. It's got a little bit of history in it. Technically. Two, you can learn history from it. Like, I didn't know people in the 1900s sang things. That's a stretch. And three, because your hate feeds me. That one seems a little bit more feasible, but the other two, thin. Thin. Pretty fucking thin. Really? What film genre is this really? I would say, first of all, it is a musical period piece. Okay. And if you break down what a period piece is, a period piece specifically refers to a film, TV series, or, TV series, or miniseries that's set in an earlier time. So right there, checks that box off. There are four types of period pieces I learned. There's a biopic, like Lincoln. There's a costume drama where types of period piece, you know, focuses on elaborate costumes and dance numbers. This seems to fit into the costume drama. Historical romance or historical epic. So I'm thinking this is more of that costume drama with the big theatrical outfits and musical numbers and dance routines and characters. Right there, musical. This is a musical. I know. And No, 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 let him finish because... I have a rebuttal, please. Finish. And the professor even said, I think, when we were picking our movies, please, no musicals. So it, our hate, or my hate, who's, whom, uh, whoever's hate feeds him. Um, okay. Yes, good sir, you are correct on a, a lot of those things. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing I did want to maybe uh, not so much correct you, but more in, like inform you, uh, nowhere Anywhere does it say musical period piece. Anywhere. It'll say 
jukebox musical. It'll say musical. It'll say drama. It'll say comedy. It will not say period piece. Ask me how I know that. How do you know that? IMDb? Uh, no, no. The entire interweb. I went on the line. But what is the definition of a period piece? You just read it. So I, I don't so I don't need to and that's fine. It fits the definition. It it can fit the definition, but this okay, no, okay, it does fit the definition, but this movie is first and foremost a musical. It will never ever be mistaken as a period piece first ever. Yeah, I will agree with that. Okay, so what you did was you took the genres that we all picked and you made it the secondary genre. But didn't we also say things like Tommy Boy and Blues Brothers can both be buddy movies and they can be road movies? So this can and, be and a yes, musical and, yes, and a and, period piece. No, it can't. And yes, we did say that because the interweb tells us so. But you if you look at if, if you look up web, what you always tell me to ignore the interweb. Only ignore the interweb when they're telling you that the Soul Stone is on Wakanda. Okay, okay. that's the only time you can ignore them. Anyways, we were chose. Uh, we had to pick uh, genres out of a hat, and period piece was one of them. And so John put in Moulin Rouge, and those were his reasons. So, would you agree? That Moulin Rouge is first and foremost a musical. I would agree. Okay, but I would also agree. I didn't. I, didn't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't need anything else. I just need you to agree to that, my friend. But it is a valid pick for a period piece. It's a sketchy pick at best. Uh, I think people can put in the comments whether they agree or disagree. That is a fantastic idea, John. Yes, please let us know what you guys think. And tell Donnie's wrong because you can feed on his hate too. <laughs> Go ahead. I dare you. Moulin Rouge was released on May 18, 2001, and it was directed by Baz Luhrmann. The screenplay was done by Baz Luhrmann, Craig Pierce. It stars Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo, Jim Broadbent, and Richard Roxborough. That's a pretty good cast. Um, yes, except for the biggest problem I had with this movie, which was, in fact, Nicole Kidman. Uh, we should also talk about that it was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Uh, and, and did it win any, Professor? It won two. It won one for art direction, and it also won for costume design. In particular, his wife was one of the costume designers. Which, cool. which award was it disqualified for? Uh, picture, actress, cinematography, film editing, makeup, and sound. Well, those are the ones it lost. I'm talking about it was originally uh, proposed for one of the awards that it was immediately disqualified. It was not allowed. Don't I get to be that nominated. question? Don, why don't you tell us which one that was? Uh, the original song. Uh, the song Come What May was actually written for Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's earlier film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I didn't realize that if a song was written for another movie for another purpose, it cannot be up for best original song in the movie it appears in. And I think that is complete bullshit. Because, yeah, it wasn't used. Yeah, can a song win a Grammy if it was originally written for a different album? Because you know that happens all the time. Or even a different artist. Sure, sure. So <clears throat> I'm not saying that song should have been nominated. I'm just saying that it sucks it got disqualified the way it did. And it's funny for a musical that that is the only original song in the entire musical. Yeah. I'm sorry, period piece. 
Oh my God. Are you going to do that all night? Because I'm going to fucking lose it. I think we might actually see that on this show or <clears throat> hear that. Yeah. Jeez. I'm kind of looking forward to it. This fucking musical was made for 50 million and brought in 179 million dollars worldwide which is pretty nuts because in general musicals up to this point for the up until like the the previous 30 years they've all been colossal failures and so it was a very risky venture for uh what studio was this 20th century uh I, I, this was. I, I think it was 20th century Anyway, it was a very risky venture for the studio to go for this because musicals in general have done very poorly in the box office. And I'm not trying to in any way, shape, or form uh, disparage musicals. I, in fact, like musicals. Um, Quick, going around the table, what's your favorite musical? Uh, You know, I have a huge soft spot for The Sound of Music. Okay, sound of music. And sound, no, singing in the rain. That's, singing in the rain. That's the one. Are you talking about ones that have been turned into movies or actual Broadway musicals? musicals? I'm sorry. <clears throat> we, uh, on this podcast, we talk about films and movies, um, so I don't, I don't know why I'd be referring to theater. I thought his question Weird. was going to be the original or the recent version of. <laughs> I was. <in> the- <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sorry, dude. I had to. Uh, um, movie. 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 Uh, greatest Showman, easily. Oh, great fucking choice. Yeah, that's I, my favorite one. I really like Hands that down. one. That one's, really, that one's really good. Really good. Uh, I would have to say mine is Across the Universe. Don't know that one. Uh, it's uh, with Jim Sturgis and Evan Rachel Woods. Mm. Uh, it's set to the soundtrack of The Beatles. And it takes place over the 60s, 70s, and maybe early 80s. Did this come out like 5, 10 years ago? 15, 16 years ago, You're probably thinking of the one about the guy where the Beatles disappear and then he writes all their music. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, no, that one is Yesterday. Yeah. It was pretty good. That one's a really good movie, too. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, Across the Universe is set up uh, very similar to... Uh, Moulin Rouge. But it's not a period piece. It, it could be. It's set over a bunch of decades. I wouldn't classify it as a period piece, but I guess if you wanted to bend the rules, did push it, the line, did it, bug you, did it bug you the way Christian was a poet that was uh, coming up with all of his inspirations through current music? So it, it didn't It didn't bother me at all. It, it, it took me out. Just uh, it, it seemed like every other song, you know, th- there's some little riff, oh, a little bit of U2, oh, a little bit of Elton John, oh, a little bit of... I called it Song Tourette's. This film suffered from Song Tourette's. Did you ever see Rock of Ages? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another movie that takes all current songs or all, you know... Oh, yeah, because it was the time period. I almost felt watching this movie, and I think this is the officially, it's like the third time I think I've seen this, is that it felt like almost like a bar bed of some two guys sitting around listening to a bunch of 80s music, 90s music on a on a jukebox and thinking, you know, I could put a, like a play to that. I could put a musical to that. I could write a story in between those songs and just strings them all together. And it's like, you know, I'll bet you you can't do that. No, I bet you I can. Are you talking about the whole premise? The whole premise of, of a, how it came about. Of a jukebox musical? Yeah, basically. Yeah, probably. Um, Flipping it, from one radio station they, to the yeah. next. It, or it's could, like a mixtape, right? Or, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah for and sure. Just putting songs. I mean, the songs they fit into this movie 
I almost find this movie more of a comedy than anything else. No, yeah. it's a musical, dude. It is. But but it but it is also definitely a comedy tragedy. Oh, for sure. And for us to know I was a little annoyed, and I had seen it before, but I was a little annoyed uh, that he gave us away the ending at the beginning. So yeah, totally. throughout the movie, they uh, totally. told you what was coming. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, because you knew where we were going to end up. Yeah, we knew how it ended, which is the biggest I problem, uh, the biggest problem I have with prequels. Well, he didn't say, I don't think he said he, she died. He basically said he didn't get her. Okay, but. No, she, when he, at the very beginning when he's writing the story, no, he says, the woman I love is dead. dead. Oh, and, and you look at the Moulin Rouge across the street, and it is barren, Lifeless. dark, empty, pouring down rain. Okay, the Moulin, the Moulin Rouge is dead. Mm-hmm. Not just her, but everything. And so how in the world can this end any other way except for him to be, you know, emotionally morose, cut off, dead? Yeah, and, and Ewan plays that part pretty well i actually liked him in this film i like him as an actor i like him a lot in this um nicole kidman too i i I I, okay so you didn't care for her i I don't know for me i i think nicole exudes an an essence or um uh an innate sense of presence there's a sense of style to her i i really uh enjoyed you know the She's got this look that she just exudes, and it, it, it's kind of mem- mesmerizing. Well, I understand the reasons why they picked her over the other people that they were considering. First of all, she has that pale skin. She's very, very pale, and they wanted her, uh, they wanted to be able to shine this blue light on her that every time the blue light hit her white skin, you notice she glowed. It was almost like she was luminescent during those scenes and she stood out from the other people with that blue light that's one of the reasons why they liked her so much um but there were some other people that they actually considered they considered Catherine zeta jones they considered madonna they considered um another person they actually considered who really wanted it who was really disappointed she didn't get it was uh courtney love courtney love oh thank god they yeah. also wanted Kate Winslet, Hilary Swank, Renee Zellweger, Drew Barrymore, Natalie Mendoza, uh, a gown by the name of Charlene Spiteri, and Sophie Ellis Bextor. Yeah, and, and I can see why they picked Nicole Kidman. I'm leaning more towards you, Don. I wasn't a big fan of her in this movie. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't stand her every time she was on screen. And it's not that I don't like Nicole Kidman as an actress, uh, I really enjoyed her in Far and Away. Uh, I, I thought that was a really good film. And there's some others that she's tolerable in. Um, Peacemaker? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> the <laughs> only redeeming quality about the Peacemaker is Sir George Clooney. I was thinking Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. But maybe Nicole, it's her accent and I'm and I'm. She got really nominated mean. for Best Actress. I know, but there were, I mean, who did who won that? Give me a second. Okay, so well, as as he's looking that up, who would I, you have cast in it? Well, see, I'm glad that you asked me that. I was reading these names, and I don't know if I would have cast any of them either. Um, Halle Berry, Halle Berry won for Monsters Ball. Oh well, fuck, dude, come on, gotta give it up to Halle Berry. She's mm-hmm. Halle Berry, right? So, and was she deserving of the nomination? Uh, well, if I was on the 
uh, Oscar board, I wouldn't have voted for. She just didn't impress me. She very rarely impresses me, and I don't know. She just she kind of killed it for me. A unique thing happened as well for uh, when Halle Berry won. You know who won for actor that year? Denzel Washington. Yes, for Training Day. Who who were the guys that were considered for Christian's role? Heath Ledger, Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Ronan Keating. You when you said The Greatest Showman, I thought Hugh could probably play this, but then again, Hugh could play. The shark in Jaws. I guess Heath Ledger really wanted the role. Oh, I bet you he would have been brilliant but too. But they said he was too young to really fill, at that time, was too young to be the romantic lead. When did uh, 10 Things I Hate About You come out? I don't know. But they said, I think the- A year or two before, I think? I would think so. it's 99, I thought. I don't think I could have 2000 at the latest. Yeah. I couldn't have pictured him romancing- Nicole Kidman. Oh, I could. It just seemed like it would have been a weird pairing for him that young back then. I disagree. Uh, plus, I don't know how he sings. Have you ever heard him sing? It, it's a movie. They can make him sound however Ten he wants. Ten Things I Hate About You, doesn't he sing? He does sing. Out there on the it. field? That's right. You never saw Ten Things I Hate About You? I never saw it. You'd hate it. It's a good movie. Okay. Um, we'll put it in the hat. I'm, I'm thinking we'll just have our listeners throw, until we come up with the next category, listeners just keep throwing movies into su- the suggestion. We'll put them in a hat, and then we'll, you know, every couple of weeks we'll... Swift swap. And no matter what they pick, we'll consider it a period piece. You guys haven't haven't uh, picked my food movie yet, so wait till you see that one. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. Okay. So, uh, so, wait, so you didn't think that uh, you and... and, uh, and uh, Nicole? Uh, Nicole. Chemistry? Yes? No. no? No. I thought that... I felt their chemistry. Of course you did. Ewan McGregor is oh, a great it's, actor. It's about the love. I feel love. Okay, so here's well, the thing. Don, no, no, Don no, 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 hates no. love. No, so. no okay. Uh, fuck you, dude, as you're on your phone. Um, what I was going to say was I loved the story. I loved his interpretation of love. I loved the way he loved and wanted to be loved. You ever but feel I like didn't, that? Did you feel like that in your younger days? Oh, yeah. I absolutely. totally, totally have felt his love in my younger days. And so... I thought that he was great, and I just thought, I just didn't, I thought he could do better than Nicole Kidman. That's all. Well, that, that's fair, because, you know, let, let's face it, you know, this is a woman in a brothel. Well, no, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't I don't have so much a problem with the character. Satine was who she was, right? She was a Corazon, mm-hmm. which I guess means whore? High-priced hooker, basically. Yeah. yeah so, 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 again, uh, whore? Yeah, she she is reserved for the best of the best. Right. She's, she's the diamond. She's the diamond. Right. So I, I I didn't have a problem with her as a character. I just, it's really just Nicole Kidman, and yeah, that sucked. H- haters gotta hate. That's right. Would Would you have put Selma Hayek in this role? No, I I I, I really enjoyed the chemistry that I saw on screen. The uh, the the two really uh, sell their chemistry well in the movie, in my opinion. So this movie is about a poet who falls for a beautiful Corazon who was promised to a jealous duke. He's not jealous. He just doesn't like people playing with his things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that guy. The fucking duke. In 1900 Paris, a man named Christian begins writing his sad story. Flashback to one year earlier. Christian travels to join the Bohemian movement. Meeting a troupe of performers, Christian helps them finish their show. Spectacular, spectacular. 
to sell to Harold Zidler, owner of the Moulin Rouge. They arrive at the Moulin Rouge as Zidler and his Diamond Dog dancers perform. It is arranged for Christian to present the work to Satine, the star courtesan, unaware that Zidler has promised Satine to the Duke, his potential investor. Satine mistakes Christian for the Duke, but learns he is merely a writer. The Duke interrupts, and Christian and Satine claim they were rehearsing Spectacular Spectacular. Aided by Zidler, Toulouse, and the troupe, they pitch the show to the Duke. The Duke backs the show, provided that only he may court Satine. Christian and Satine fall for each other. Can I, can I tell you what bothered me in the beginning of this movie? Uh, when it started? Yes. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Next week, <laughs> we're going to review Three Guys in a Flick. Did you notice that when uh, Christian and Satine got into the room together and she was mistaking him for the Duke and all that? That's not the beginning. I'm just saying in this beginning part that you just read that basically she falls in love with him when she hears his poetry and sees how artistic he is. He falls in love with her for nothing but her looks. And? Does that not seem like the weird setup for this great love story? Is no. That, is, that, is that what you got out of it? Out of that whole beginning part, yeah. Really? What'd you get out of it? Um, I believe that there is a moment that when two people see each other, I think sometimes, just sometimes, the sparks can fly and somehow you just know. That's what I took out of it, exactly. And that's what... That's what those looks gave me because I knew that uh, Christian, I knew that character, he was portraying it. And, okay, Nicole Kidman was trying to portray it, and um, but that's that's the message I got from it. Well, she didn't seem to feel it, and he sparked on her right away, like when he saw her across I, the room. But she didn't feel it until the moment he started saying that poetry. I know, and that's the point. That's the moment. That's mm. the moment where everything turned around for her, right? So I, I, I bought it, I guess. Um, so, yeah. And as Dracula would say, that's when he zinged and she zinged. Oh, oh, from Hotel Transylvania? There you go. Nice, dude. Nice. Uh, yes, that's the definition of zinging. Exactly. Uh, but let's back up a little bit to this opening. Why um, you hated it so much? Uh, so, as we were saying earlier, this movie kind of suffers from uh, song Tourette's. And... Is that offensive? Can I say that? No, I don't think that's offensive at all. It's it's good terminology. They're just spitting out songs. Okay. So anyways, you know, we get him typing and then uh, he is our narrator. He is setting the, uh, the story for us and he's taking us into the Moulin Rouge. We go back a year later and when the uh, dude falls through and then he meets the Bohemians, uh, they they start on this song pattern, and it once they get to the actual Moulin Rouge to get in there, um, that's where it just it just kind of got really chaotic for me. Um, totally, you know, and yeah, well, and I guess well, even before that, when uh, he he gives them the lines to the hills have eyes, that's how they bond and become friends, and then they go into the Moulin Rouge because they want to. They believe in they believe in Christian because of his lyrical prowessness. Yes, well, the, the well, they should thank Elton John. The chaos when they go to the club is because they're on absinthe, and that's what it's supposed. It's supposed to be a hallucinogenic where, you know, it was alcohol back then that had hallucinogenics in it. 
um, that made you just go crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it was representing. Yeah, but all of the scenes in the Moulin Rouge were like that. So mm-hmm. I guess we're always on absinthe. I don't know. I don't know. So it, anyways, it was chaotic. Uh, that scene, uh, who was the fairy? Well, it was uh, it was Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. But who did the scream? Uh, I know this because I looked it up. Because it was originally supposed to be another person doing the voice. Do you know who it is? Mm-hmm. Go. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. That's Ozzy right. Osbourne yeah. did the scream. Now, originally, the the Green Fairy was supposed to be some buff guy playing a sitar or whatever. Uh-huh. And it was supposed to be voiced by Ozzy Osbourne. But they cut that out to put her in, but they still kept the angry, evil scream Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, I wonder if Ozzy was too busy doing Little Nicky. Um, so yeah, the, their use of songs, it, it kind of got, I don't know, over the top for me. Uh, they use Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I'm not a huge fan of Nirvana nor that song. Uh, however, I did like it better when they used it at the opening of Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Then here, um, did you read the uh, the story behind them using that song? No. Well, you know, Courtney Love really wanted the part of Satine, and when she was auditioning, she agreed to let them use the Nirvana song. She doesn't in the past; she hasn't let them use it for movies or TVs in the past, like before this point. And they basically decided not go with her, which really upset her. But then she found out that they originally wanted Marilyn Manson to sing it. And I guess she's had a feud going on with Marilyn Manson. So six days before the movie release, she used some clause she had in the contract to make them change who the singer was. And they had to redo the movie six days before release. Huh. I feel dumber for knowing that. So thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) I'm just kidding, dude. (laughs) But I, I really concur with your point. You know, once we get to the Moulin Rouge... It is just this over-the-top, you know, sensory overload of this decadence of sound and music and color and just this frenetic energy that that I am just like, what the hell is going on here? It is just so over-the-top. And, you know, in hindsight, I understand that because this movie is inspired by uh, uh, cabaret shows, uh uh, the uh, uh, Teatro Zanzani. Did either one of you ever experience that mm-hmm. in Seattle? Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, you know, if you it, actually go to Vegas, you can go to an absinthe, a show called Absinthe, and it feels a lot like this. I think I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah and, and, and so you know, it's just it 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 really took me back. You know, I, I was taken aback by the whole experience of it. But you know, I, I understand you know where Baz is coming from with this. You know, because this. This is a representative of the can-can dance. And the can-can dance, you know, when it came about in in Europe, you know, it's it's at this time that, that this is being introduced, in particular in France. And this movie, you know, is showing just how wild, sexy, and outrageous this dance is. You know, we look at it and we go, oh, yeah, okay. But, you know, really... At the time that this was first coming out, people had never seen anything like this before, and it is it is it is this world of entertainment that's you know created by you know these women in dresses and and they're kicking their legs up and 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 they and and the, the knickers are split, and sometimes they didn't wear underwear 
underneath the split just to you know titulate those uh, you know oh i like the, it when the, he says titulate. The, those, i was just thinking that you know the, those those customers even more so and, and so you know um baz you know he had this idea that he wanted to have the petticoats coming at you and then this is akin to you know having like a coral reef just filled with you know colorful tropical fishes it's just this overindulgence of just pow boom it's just like oh my gosh just so decadent over the top i was taken aback by it and it was hard to catch up it i could understand how uh christian you know uh, this simple bohemian wanting to be bohemian you know is experiencing this world for the first time of just this you know your senses are being overloaded mm-hmm. and then through a, a number or a, through a case of mistaken identity he gets uh mistaken for the duke and gets a one-on-one meeting with satine um and that's kind of where uh you were talking about mm-hmm. you know uh did you buy it and yeah I, I i bought it do you guys remember the song rhythm of the night sure uh do you, what movie was that originally made for that i don't know you have me still something from the 80s obviously oh yes classic classic 80s movie i only can think of is beverly hills cop and i don't know why no but that's that would be incorrect sir yeah all right what the last dragon Oh, I love that movie. Fuck yeah. Show enough. Yeah. Yeah. The Shogun. The Shogun of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great watch. Great watch. Yeah. Bruce, Anyways. Bruce Leroy. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. I met him. So All right. He's a great guy. Let's get back to the Moulin Rouge. Do we have the kingdom to? Just- of nighttime pleasures where the rich and powerful came to play with the young and beautiful creatures of the underworld. Everybody what did you think of Nicole Kidman's? entrance after all this chaos they kind of bring her down on the trapeze with the blue light on her making her glow all the diamonds and everything and the whole she's the big focus in the diamond it was (laughs) it was at this moment that i had already decided in my head that this movie was going to be way too long and i was a hundred percent correct um it was diamonds are a girl's best friend it, it was well choreographed. Well, it looked nice. It was fun. Um, well, it was Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend with Material Girl playing in the background. Well, yeah, because this movie can't make up its fucking mind which song they want to sing. So that doesn't surprise me. Okay, but you got to give a little bit of props to Nicole. Can you imagine being in the center of attention in front of, you know, 600 extras and you got to be up there swinging around 40 miles an hour, swinging around, singing? What the heck? That, yeah, well, that's why they rehearse. In a skimpy little outfit. That, you know, that took some moxie. Well, well, good for her. She, how, much, how much did she get paid for it? Uh, it was something like $8 million? Oh, yeah. Seven, eight million dollars $8 million? Yeah, it must be rough. Yeah. It must be rough. Well, you know, we, you're getting paid, so do the fucking job. That's right. That's what it boils down to. And she did. She did the job. And again, it was a, it was a well-put-together scene. And it just went on. Like, all of the musical numbers went on just a little bit too long for me. I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after this mistaken identity, the two fall in love. And, um, but do they... So okay, so here here he falls in love. He falls in love with her, but does she really fall in love with him? She said she did. Oh, she, I think uh, she starts to imagine that she could fall in love. This is a character who is trapped. She is she is stuck 
she is a survivor, and she does not allow people in. This is who she has been. Christian coming in, he is just another person. There's no way she's letting him in right away. You know, I don't. I have to disagree with you there, Professor. I don't see her as trapped. I see she's where she wants to be, that she sees this as her way to move up in the world. She wants. She craves all the attention. She loves it. She wants men to flaunt over her. They want. She wants them to give her diamonds and jewelry and all that. And she knows that she's helping the Moulin Rouge in return by bringing them in and bringing the money in. And as a courtesan, which she takes the role very seriously, her one rule is she can't fall in love because she has to be there for any man who would do it. She even says, like, you know, she gets excited with Harold about meeting the Duke because the Duke can make her a real actress and a real performer. Yeah, but and but I would think that some of that is to mask the fact that she, like everyone, yearns to be loved. But I also think she could leave at any time. She's not trapped. Oh, I don't. Harold I, seems like he's very, he cares for her almost she, like a father. She doesn't. No. She, even though he kind of sells her. The but show must go on. He does care about her. Mm, yeah. He Okay, let's put it this way. He probably cares about her more than anyone else in the cast. Yes. Mainly because... She's chiching. She's the top money earner, yeah. right? So, uh, I think she, I think she is trapped, uh, but I think she wants to believe that she's not, mm. and that's why she can put up the facade and be the way she is. I think that, as corny as it is, the Elton John lyrics kind of awaken something in her. Is she in love with him at that moment? Maybe not, but is she open to the idea of maybe? love she certainly doesn't turn it away she doesn't turn it away yeah. right and then she are, that she actually does try she tells it she tells him off several times only because she was told to no even like she tells him you know go away go away and then he reads the lyrics and she starts getting interesting but then you know because she was afraid she was supposed to be promised to the duke and she knows that well and, and this is part of the job oh i know why she tells him to go away because they got caught that's why she tells him to go away. Well, she tells him to go away even before when the Duke's just outside the door. Well, yeah, to leave so they don't get caught. Yeah, but she does at that point. She doesn't want him. She even tells him after they're, you know, they do their whole big thing, and then they kind of have, you know, he climbs up the elephant and comes to greet her. She tells him then to go away. This can't happen. I can't fall in love. I'm not allowed to. I got a question. Why does Toulouse's hat stay on his head when he's upside down? Because the. Uh, that, it was written that way. It was written that way. That's fuck that. You thought that when you were watching the scene? Yes, he's swinging his head back and forth. What did you think of John Leguizamo in that role? He's fine. I think John Leguizamo is a solid actor. No, totally choir. And you know, you, you go through your your little creative film techniques to make sure that he is as small as he's supposed to be. But he really did. He he went through uh, some suffering and he had to go through mm -hmm. some physical therapy after the show was over yeah, with yeah. For, for all the weird positions he was in for yeah. Dan and Dan. Well, he had to be on his knees so much. And yeah. and uh, the finale where he he wears those really baggy pants, he kept himself squatted down really low, and so that was that was torturous unto itself. For all of the takes for that, he had to be keep, keeping himself hunched down. Yeah, that's I wonder rough. if the slur that he has in it. Was his idea or the director's idea? Who knows? Do you think it added to the character? <laughs> Do I think his slur added to the character? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. Having a clue. All right. So we, we have uh, Satine and the Duke coming in. And then uh, Satine, she passes out, right? And 
when well, she, she passes out uh, first falling off the trapeze. Right. And and when she passes out, I knew that this was going to be why Christian is so sad at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. This is what it is that causes him, because he's going to fall in love with a girl and she's going to die. So now we're along for the ride and we'll enjoy their love story. But in the end, she's going to die and he's going to be heartbroken. And hey, that's how it ends. I just kept wondering too that, you know, she passes out and falls off the trapeze and she passes out and other things, yet she never seems really interested in what's going on with her health. That yeah. seemed weird. No. I knew it was tuberculosis. The consumption. Is that what that's called? They yeah. call it the consumption. They call it the consumption. It's pulmonary tuberculosis is what she's diagnosed with. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is a very contagious bacterial disease that affected her lungs. Did you realize that currently tuberculosis is still a pandemic disease? I did not know that. 2019, it had like 1.5 million deaths. Wow, that's a lot of deaths. I've heard it's it's pretty curable, I think, in the U.S. Now, at the time of this movie, 1900, this is at the zenith time of tuberculosis. And it was claiming probably one out of every seven lives in the world at this time. Hmm. A horrible disease. Yeah. And it, it looks like a horrible way to die, too. I mean, just you have to feel for her or for people who have this kind. Because a lot of people died of consumption. Didn't um, in Tombstone, we watched uh, Doc Holliday, didn't he die of consumption? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the same thing. They basically, their lungs shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we took a left there. <laughs> Let's try and get uh, back mm-hmm. on the on the road. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So now we are introduced to the Duke, and we have now been introduced to the Bohemians. And what is the plan? The plan is for them to get Zidler to invest in a play that Toulouse has written. That they invent on the spot. No, the- Zidler is the dude from Harry Potter. They yes. need they need the they need the Duke to invest, right? Right. Well, they need right. The, but but that is but it is invented. When the Duke comes in to find Christian and Satine together, they right. had started kind of writing it. That's what they were working on when the hills right. are alive and right. all that stuff. They're kind of writing what's yeah. called spectacular, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole idea was is Toulouse wanted to sell it to Zidler and get the backing for it from the Duke. He didn't know about the Duke at the time. Right. And so Toulouse wormed his way in to get Christian to meet with Satine. To get Satine convinced about Spectacular Spectacular, not realizing that I think Zidler already planned on buying it or something because he wanted the Duke to invest in the Moulin Rouge to put on some big performance. Right. And and, and so uh, when, when the Duke comes in, that's when all the crazy antics start. Comments. What did you think of your song? Did you like your song, this version of your song? I didn't mind it. John, Don? Yeah. So you're you're pretty mad about it. Yeah. I actually, you know, I know this is a jukebox musical, as you call it. It's a little bit funny, but I liked the music in the movie. There was only one or two songs I didn't like because these are all songs I like to listen to anyway. I like Steve Miller. I like the Beatles. I like Elton John. So I like the soundtrack from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, in general, I, I thought it was nice what they did with your song, but I, I, in the end, I found it distracting, and and I wish that it. it that they were not using a current song. It's curious that you have a a production that is taking place in the past, but, you know, it is using current things. And we see that in Heath Ledger's A Knight's Tale, right? Yes. 
we, we get that rock and roll sound right. in a classical setting. And I got to say, every time that came up, it pulled me out of the movie. I have sure. to, I have to agree with you on the Knight's Tale, so I can see exactly where you're coming from, Professor. Yeah, you know, because at this time, you know, this is this is a new era. You know, 1900 Europe. This is a, a new time, but you know, we're being taken back to an old time, but being reminded with this current music. And so each time I experienced it, it took me out. But I, I was more invested into it because of. Christian and Satine, I, I enjoyed their their uh, chemistry that they showed on screen. So here's the biggest problem I had with this entire sequence: it was too long. Yes, and they kept saying goodbye, but then singing again, and then saying goodbye. It could have been cut, in and half. then sing, singing again, and then when they're done singing, we take a long stroll with the camera over to Leguizamo sing, sitting on the fucking tower, and he's got to sing the same fucking song. Yes, the, it, too long. It, it could have been cut in half. I oh thought. My God. I thought the pitch would be more painful for you because, like you said in the beginning, they told you the story of what exactly is going to happen. Well, the pitch of spectacular, spectacular is literally telling us word for word what's going to happen in this movie, what's oh, going to happen in this musical. So they do that frequently throughout the movie of just telling you, okay, here's what's happening next. Here's what's happening next. Yeah, but then, but then they keep repeating and repeating yeah. and repeating. Oh, did, did I say that they were repeating? Were they repeating? It was too fucking long for this musical. Keep feeding. Period piece ish. Yeah, and, and that's where you find yourself rubbing your forehead, thinking. <sighs> and I got to tell you, this film for me was a clock watcher. I kept seeing how long I had left of this movie because the reality of it is, I had seen it before. I didn't like it when I first saw it, and guess what? I didn't like it again. Professor, had you seen this before? No, never seen it. Okay. Probably should have started with that. <laughs> John, you've seen this before, right? I think, like I said, I think this was the third time I've seen it. Oh, okay. And you put it into the helmet already seeing it. Yeah, because you said, uh, please, no musicals. So he so he bypassed the required genre. Well, Don, you didn't and say that. The professor said that. And I think you set the rules, Don. It's so, your basement. Right. So you clearly broke the rules. You didn't set that rule. That it had to be that the genre we picked had to be the foremost of the genre. You didn't say uh, you, you know, you know, you know, you're right. I didn't say it. I you just, just said it had to be. Right, a right, no, 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 no. Hang on. You're right. I didn't specify that in the beginning. Well, I assumed. I assumed you were I, smarter than that. So but you know what happens uh, when you assume things. Well, yeah. Okay. So now I'm gonna ha don't forget to wash your hands when you go to the bathroom. Okay, buddy. Before or after. Both, please and thank you. As the cabaret is converted to a theater. Christian and Satine pretend to be rehearsing, but really fool around. When the suspicious Duke threatens to stop the financing the show, Ziedler arranges for Satine to dine with the Duke, but she falls ill from tuberculosis. Ziedler tells the Duke that Satine has gone to confession. Ziedler learns from the doctor treating Satine that she does not have long to live, but keeps this from Satine and Christian. Christian writes a song to affirm their love. A jealous performer reveals to the Duke that the play is a metaphor for Christian, Satine, and the Duke. The Duke demands the ending be changed to the courtesan choosing the Maharaja. Satine offers to spend the night with him to keep the original ending. At the Duke's quarters, Satine sees Christian on the streets below and realizes she cannot sleep with the Duke. The Duke attempts to rape her, but the dancer Le Chocolat saves her. 
Christian urges Satine to run away with him. The Duke tells Zidler he will have Christian killed if Satine is not his. Zidler warns Satine, but when she refuses, he informs her that she is dying. Zidler explains that to save Christian's life, Satine must reject him. Barred from the Moulin Rouge, Christian is heartbroken. All right, so they get they dupe this duke into giving them... Uh, I like that, dupe this duke. Thank you. They duped this duke to give him all this money, and they tell him he can have creative input, and he's always on the set, and they're doing rehearsals, well, the big and thing everything's too, going. The big thing, too, is he makes Zidler uh, sign away the Moulin Rouge. Yes, as collateral. As collateral. So if anything goes wrong... He gets the Moulin Rouge. Right. So now Zidler's whole life is into this, right? So he's going to do whatever it takes to keep the show going because the show must go on. Yeah, they get caught. They get seen by Zidler and he tells her, you got to end it. So this is the first of many times that she ends it and... He sings her a little tune. And this is actually where I think this is where it changes. I don't think we get so much of your song anymore as we get of Come Come What What May. Come What May. Yeah. So I, and I was noticing that because the first time I ever watched it, I was thinking, God, they're using Elton John. And so I knew it was coming. And then when, once they introduced this song, I noticed, I'm pretty sure they don't sing Daniel's song again after that. No, maybe in the ending number or something, but. Yeah, because they, they say when they're writing the musical or writing the spectacular spectacular that the sitar player writes a secret song for his love interest that when he plays it, she knows that it's a message directly to her and that turns out to be come what may. So that's why they have to sing it freaking every five minutes. Right, right, right. I forgot that we were watching a musical. Thought we were watching a period. Well, piece, like I said, in the nineteen hundreds, people sang a lot. It keep it keeps smacking me back in the face that it was a fucking musical. How come? How come <clears throat> nobody had a French accent? Because it's an Americanized. It's actually an Australian-made musical. So yeah, they get caught, and she has to break up with them. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the plot of this fucking story. What do you think of the Duke character? Did you like how he was portrayed? Uh, the Duke was over the top. He was clearly our villain. Who, who wasn't over the top in this movie? <laughs> Pretty much everybody's played over the top. Uh, I don't think Ewan is. Really? I don't think he's over the top at all. I really dig him as an actor. I think he can star in anything. Yeah. Really he like also performs in a band, so he had the musical experience. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I, I feel like that everybody in this just... it. They, they defy logic in how they choose to pursue their characters. True. and But I thought the Duke was a bit more. And mainly it was too much because of his voice. Now, yeah, we, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Oh the my God. like you, a virgin oh scene. Oh, my God. That's one, you know, I, I have to admit, I've tried to block that one out every time I've seen it. That's pretty, yeah. I guess my question would be is why do you still watch the movie? Again, because your hate feeds me. Uh, well, that just says volumes about you, sir. Yeah, that that was kind of a brutal scene. I, yeah. I did not care for that scene. That that one creeped me out every time I've seen it. Um, reading about it, though, it's interesting. I didn't realize that uh, Zid, the guy who played Zidler, his voice was dubbed during that part. Oh, that they actually had a real opera singer trying to sing like him. And then I guess they spilled Coca-Cola all over the floor so that the dancers didn't slip. They had the floor sticky. So knowing that... They're singing like a virgin, and the floor is sticky. 
Does that mean anything to you? No, because I didn't know the floor was sticky. I don't care that the floor was sticky. I didn't like the scene. It was dumb. Yeah. Professor, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I didn't care for the scene. That's all. <laughs> so short and sweet. Wait, I, wait I, to break I, it down. I, I fully agree with you guys, though. It was fucking creepy. And maybe yeah. that's why I didn't like it. And I don't really even really like the song either. So yeah. I didn't like it in 84. I liked Borderline, but whatever. I don't know. That that one scene, you know, I found the movie kind of entertaining before that. You know, I, I know it's a little chaotic, but I like the music and everything. That scene is what really took me out of the movie. Yeah. So I had already kind of been out of the movie. Like I said, I was watching the clock. So this just furthered my annoyance. I will give props to Baz Luhrmann for, you know, going headstrong into this and, you know, no reservations whatsoever. Eight Academy Award nominations. Yeah. Tells, so, you, tells uh, you what the Academy knows. 179 million. Yeah. Yeah. People and, love and, a, yeah, and, people and, love a musical. So, yeah, you know, props to Baz, you know, for, for going for it, you know. But for me, nah. nah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Now, the necklace that the Duke gives Satine. Uh, I've been trying to do the research, and at the time, that was the most expensive jewelry prop ever made for a movie. It was over a million dollars for that necklace. What the fuck are you doing with that? And now I guess there's some argument whether it's still the most valuable piece ever shown in a movie, because now I think the value of that necklace is up to $3 million. Don't care. Whoop-dee-doo, Basil. Is, is that that's the one he puts on her when they're in the tower when she finally does when agree to yeah when she's supposed to sleep with him right, right so right so after they get caught they got to break up and then she says to him you know i gotta do this and then he says come what may uh it doesn't matter i won't be jealous anymore bullshit i felt too uh the scene where the duke goes from being this idiot who basically he's a buffoon buffoon falling for everything to all of a sudden being a rapist seemed a big stretch too that you know he throughout the whole thing he's just getting pushed around pushed around and now he's smacking her around you keep kicking a a friendly dog what's gonna happen gonna bite you that's right that what you're saying that's right so uh i believe the turn and i believe he could be that big uh big of a douchebag for sure I just thought that, yeah, let's talk about this for a second. Um, how did he know to be there? Totally. That's what I was thinking. You decided to show up at this time? I think he was spying on him. He's but there's a but, pervy. Exactly. Yeah, and it just comes out of nowhere. So I'm going to chalk that up to movie convenience, and we're moving on. I'm not saying that we needed to see anything further that could have possibly happened. I'm just saying that, you know, that was really convenient for him to be there. Yeah. Movie convenience. What did you think of the Roxanne piece? I thought it was only a matter of time. Given the story, knowing the song, even when I first saw it, I knew Roxanne was going to come in. Uh, I liked the way that they did it. I I liked the Argentinian dancer. The narcoleptic. The narcoleptic Argentine. Uh, I didn't go for his voice being low and gravelly like that. Oh, I did. I liked it because it's such a contrast to what how Sting sings it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. all the renditions of the popular songs that they did were tolerable. Um, I just thought that find a song and stick to it. 
they 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 mashed up so many songs it just took me out of it like like you said well John Leguizamo so. was originally supposed to be the Argentinian oh really but they changed him to that other role and got this other actor yeah it doesn't make it any better for me okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he would have fit as that kind of narcoleptic Argentinian I think John Leguizamo could be anything he played the big fucking fat clown from Spawn yeah he could John Legu- <laughs> John Leguizamo's the man dude that's John Wick's car maybe that that clown just had an, an eating disorder wait he had you gotta a, call him fat he had a weight problem when I find out whose bacon this is <laughs> you're gonna call me Papi Chulo we've done three John Leguizamo movies think back were there more John, well he wasn't in the John Wick that we saw but he was oh, in Once Fair Upon Point. a or was he, he was in Once Upon a Time in Mexico no he no. wasn't he was Stereotype. he was in Wick two chapter two yeah he was and one yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's that's probably why I included. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna put him in to the John Wick series, and we're gonna count that but shit. He was in my favorite movie, The Chef. Yes, he was, and he played probably your second favorite character. Yeah, yeah, next to the kid. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. What other movie was he in that we saw? This this musical, this musical called Moulin Rouge. This musical period piece. It's not a period piece. Well, fuck again. Uh, our one true listener, why don't you weigh in and let us know? Would this be a period piece? Well, Keep- I don't know. It made you bleed. <laughs> nice. The night of the show, Christian sneaks into the Moulin Rouge, intending to pay Satine her fee as a courtesan. He confronts her backstage, but they find themselves in the spotlight. Zidler convinces the audience that Christian is the satire player in disguise. Christian denounces Satine and walks off the stage. From the rafters, Toulouse declares... The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and to be loved in return. Satine sings the song Christian wrote to express their love. Christian returns to the stage, joining her in the song. The Duke orders his bodyguard to kill Christian, but is thwarted, while Zidler stops the Duke's own attempt. The Duke storms out as Christian and Satine complete their song. After the curtain closes, Satine succumbs to her illness. Before she dies... Christian and Satine affirm their love, and she tells him to write their story. A year later, the Moulin Rouge has closed down and is left in disrepair. Christian finishes writing the tale of his love for Satine, a love that will live forever. Roll credits. Would you guys sing of the big show? I thought he was that Christian was kind of crappy the way he, you know, I understand his heart was broken, but then he just wants to pay his whore. Yeah, that was a bit harsh. I thought that That's was pretty harsh. I mean, really, that should be a sign to her that he's big warning signals of, you know, danger, danger. Stay yeah, away he, from he this just, guy. He just threw down that money, huh? Yeah, and just said, paying my whore. I want to pay my whore. Yeah, that was that was a bit rough. I thought that when the show started, I thought to myself, oh, good. Let's listen to Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend again. again. <sighs> Well, I will say this. The visuals are incredible. And I understand why this got an Oscar for its uh, costuming. Because, you know, the uh, just the elaborateness of how this set looks and, and, and the flamboyance and the pop of color. And, you know, it, it, it's reminiscent of like a, uh, like, like, like a Bollywood musical. No, oh, absolutely. Or, or, That's the way it was designed. It was meant to look like a Bollywood. Yeah, well, it, it, it comes across like a music video that happens to last for two hours. And that was that was a challenge for me. It's a little bit funny. 
Yeah, hilarious. I guess they made something like over 600 costumes, had 80 people working, tons of hours. And then I was reading something about it I thought was kind of funny about you mentioning the costumes. An adult performer named Monica Mayhem. Apparently, they borrowed some of these wardrobe items for a performance film that she was doing under the condition that they had to return them unsoiled. Wow. Nice. So if you watch the movie, I don't know if I, I don't have the name of the movie here, but you know, you can look up Monica Mayhem, find the movie. You can see the wardrobe from. Monica Mayhem sounds like a a roller girl chick, you know, like in. Totally. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Hey, hey Don, stop watching the clock there. (laughs) I can't help it, man. I'm barely staying awake. Just kidding. You guys both suck. I'm curious to know, did either one of you tear up at the end with her death scene? Yes. No. No, dude, of course not. <laughs> Something I want to know if it would have made a difference to you, and I know, Don, you're, nope. you're going to say, nope, because it didn't happen that way, was the original plan for the movie was for Satine to have a three-year-old child. And basically, the whole beginning and ending was Christian telling the story of the three-year-old child that now I think believe he has adopted after her passing. Would that have made any difference in this movie? Uh, it's not their three-year-old child? No, it's her three-year-old child. Oh, yes. Totally changes the movie for me. Let's get that written. Let's get that made. Yeah, we, we can we can drop the, the, the bit at the end where the Duke's gun goes kicking out of the window and flying off into the moonlit night. And bouncing off the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Uh, par for the course with this film. That was Peanut Butter Falcon with the guy lifting him over the head. It's the same cartoon effect. Just so fantastical. It's just like, <sighs> of course. But it really was very similar to what a Bollywood ending would be. Bollywood endings always end with music and dancing. and Yeah, and, and like... 60 people on stage we had this explosion of color just like my god have you ever seen slumdog millionaire yeah i actually like slumdog millionaire a lot kind of that style of ending yeah well i'm yeah i get the whole singing and dancing but what we're talking about is the gun hitting the eiffel tower yeah yeah it is one of those moments where i figure at this the director singing at this point i've had you for Far too long, two hours and two minutes, you're going to believe or you're going to accept the next 10 seconds. And that's, you know, convenient. Whatever. They were originally planning on showing more of France, but then the director made the or the point of, let's just cut it down to just surrounding the Moulin Rouge. Oh, God. This movie could have been longer? Yeah. That's what he was worried about. Where the fuck is that cut? I want that one. Yeah, the, the uh, movie is shot entirely on four uh, sound sets. And they did not want to have any external uh, shots because they wanted us to be uh, believing that we were in 1900 Paris. So, trivia. False. Bollywood movies are made pre-COVID a lot. Bollywood movies. How many a year do you think Bollywood movies crank out? 200, 400, 600, or 800 a year? Don. Six. I'm gonna say eight because I think they got tons of them come out. Yeah, it's a uh, it's about eight hundred, which is oh. twice what Hollywood puts out pre COVID. Have you ever watched a Bollywood movie? 
Uh, I, I think I just did. It's called Moulin Rouge. Oh, really? Was it any good? Let's save that for the uh, for the rating. Okay. Hey, speaking of ratings, should we go ahead and rate this bitch? Let's rate oh, this. I'm not done talking about the movie. Okay, what? No, I'm kidding. Let me go into rating. I, I, I won't extend your pain. No, if you have something more to say that or you would like to talk about, please, by all means. All right. So, uh, Professor, how do we do our ratings? Five is a movie that you are ready to watch again immediately. You've walked out of the theater and you said, man, I could watch that movie again right now. That's a five. Which will be Don's rating. A one is a movie where, okay, I've seen it, don't need to see it again. And so a three is going to be somewhere in between where you have a movie that's like, yeah, I'll watch that again. But you don't know when, but it's not going to be right away. And what would a zero be? A zero B is you're letting everybody around you know that somebody owes you two hours of your life back. Uh, Here on Three Guys in a Flick, usually the person who picks the movie goes first. However... I think we're going to do it this way. Are you going to go first? I think I will go first. I would love to hear your rating, Don. Okay. Are you going to sing it for us? No, I, unfortunately, I, I do not. I think that is an excellent idea. When uh, we vote here on Three Guys in a Flick. It's a little bit funny, this feeling I have. Well, like I said, it's a little bit funny. Fuck you, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, some of the musical cues I did enjoy. Uh, Bowie's We Could Be Heroes, I thought was a nice touch. Rhythm of the Night, I thought was a nice nod. Uh, anytime the Beatles came up, it was only a matter of time. I, I love the Beatles. Um, I, I thought that it really did suffer from song Tourette's, and it took me out of it. I did like that it was very theatrical. I'm sure, you know, if life in the 1900s during the theater period, the Bohemian period, um, I can imagine being like that. I like the cast of characters. I thought the movie was cast just fine. Uh, Ewan McGregor is always a treat uh, in anything he does. You know, I liked most of the cast except for, unfortunately, Miss Kidman. So, yeah. She's like the star of the show. She got nominated for Best Actress and you like everybody but the star of the show. Yeah. Do I have to say it again? Because he hates love. I disagree with that. Please continue. How do you get I hate love because I don't like the female lead? That's what you always say to me. (laughs) But but you do hate love. (laughs) Just because I support the machines. Uh, Okay. Uh, This movie, in my opinion, was way too long. It was about 40 minutes too long. Oh, wait. How long was this movie? Two hours and... Seven minutes or something So this movie was two hours and six minutes too long. Um. It, so you had a ver- at least a minute, it had a very uh, rinse and repeat storyline. They had to, after they got caught, they broke up six times and they got together six times and then she died. And it was kind of a, uh, it was really depressing. And, and one thing really bothered me about this film. Just one thing. Just this one specifically really bothered me. And every time I saw it, it pissed me off. Why did they keep slowing the film down? It served no purpose. Maybe once or twice they did it as characters turned and we can get a look on their face or they did it for that dramatic moment. But all the other times it was like they just did it for what? Anyways, they slowed the film down and it really fucking annoyed me. And then overall, you know, that like a virgin bit was creepy and dumb. And so I am going to give the Moulin Rouge a one. Okay. Close for business. There you go. Close for business. You shut it down. All right. So I'm going to go next. Okay. 
All right, so uh, Moulin Rouge is first and foremost a musical, and I got to say that I would like to let people in the world know that it is just me. I I know that there are some of us that enjoy musicals. There are some of us that embrace musicals. I am more of a traditionalist when it comes to musicals. We are probably looking at an old fogey here because I think about the olders, West Side Story, uh, South Pacific, Sound of Music, and and, uh, my absolute favorite, Singing in the Rain, Holiday Inn. I, I am about classics, and these contemporary musicals, I have never gone for them. So I hope that you are not offended up front just because I myself am not into musicals that you are thinking, man, that guy's a total douchebag. Fair point, but please give me the benefit of the doubt that what it comes down to is I am not a musical guy. So I had great reservation in watching this movie. And I will say that there were numerous times where I give it a big, heavy sigh, and how much longer is this piece going to continue to go on and on? I totally enjoyed Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. I I embraced their uh, on-screen presence together. They, I thought that they that the two of them worked very well together. Contemporary music in the musical for a piece that set a hundred years ago. I really felt taken out of the movie every time that it happened, and it was a constant distraction for me. It was really hard to get past that because it kept coming up again and again, and I did not like that part of the movie. Now, I will say that it is a very ambitious movie. I think, in general, Hollywood hasn't seen a movie like this ever before. It is so brazen and bold. And, and, and Baz, he is, you know, to be commended for his bold interpretation of how he wanted to present his movie. By the way, on the first day of shooting, poor guy, he had his father pass. And so he ended up taking some time off right when they're getting ready to start so he could deal with his family issues. Man, what a sucky way to start, you know, a huge project like this that had a lot of skeptics to it and you know, you're you're just hanging yourself out there going for this big, gaudy production. So, you know, hats off to him. But, you know, the overall uh, enduring understanding of this storyline is, you know, all about, you know, believing in love. And I embraced that because I also embraced how uh, Christian's character felt in this, that, you know, damn the consequences, I feel what I feel, and I have felt that you know, in my young days as well, I totally feel his pain that he felt, you know, I don't care. This is about love and this is what the heart wants. And so I followed and believed in his character completely for that damn the consequences. And in the end, yeah, I knew exactly where the movie was going to end up because it showed us at the beginning of the movie. And she's like, oh, but I did still tear up at the very end. Watching her go and having him to say goodbye to each other, it's like, oh. But all that being said, I'm not all that excited to watch this movie again. I have seen it, and it's okay. And, you know, there's maybe like one or two or three moments I want to see, but I'm not seeking this movie out again. I thought about watching it a second time, but, you know, the three ninety nine, no. You know, I, I think that, I'm going to give it a 1.5. So it would be my turn now? Only if you want to go. 
Okay. Well, actually, I want to start with my wife, Julie. As we, always. We know she does not watch movies, and she, doesn't, she hasn't seen Star Wars. She hasn't seen Indiana Jones. She hasn't seen any of these movies, so it's fun to make her and watch. And we still love her. And it's fun to make her watch these movies with me. You would appreciate, she gave me a one-line review of this movie. Would you like me to share it with you? Uh, yes, I am, am eager to hear. I'm all ears. Her line, her review of this movie was, you can put glitter on a piece of shit and all you get is sparkly shit. It's still shit. I want to go back and change my review. Uh, my review will now say, you can put glitter on a piece of shit and all you get is a glittery piece of shit, but it's still shit. I give it a one. So you're, you agree with Julie. I thought that was pretty evident. Okay. Well, now we'll go into my review. No, I think we should end it right there. No, no. my review is going to be in the same style of this movie. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to start with my rating and then tell you how I got there. Oh, fuck. This is exactly what got us into this mess. I'm going to give you the end right in the beginning. I'm going to give this movie a 2.5. Now, my reasons for it is because especially after watching it a couple of times and doing a little research on it, I get some of the metaphors and I get some of the reasons why the director made the design of the movie the way they did. Originally, when I watched it, I thought it was a mess. I thought, okay, I like the music, but, and I love, you know, Ewan McGregor. I, I thought he did, he hit it out of the park, but the whole story was hard to follow. It just bounced all over the place. I agree with you. It was really, really fast, and then it was really, really slow, and then really fast. And yeah, you're watching your clock thinking, when will this end? And when I got to the like a virgin part, creeped the hell out of me. And I just couldn't get past that part. But now when I go back and I look at it, and I think, okay, well, this this movie's a metaphor for, for absinthe, for taking drugs. And if you think about it, the fast slow is them on the drugs, and then them coming off the drugs, and then them on the drugs again, and them coming off the drugs. So really, it, it, that gives you that kind of same feeling of you're rushing, you're rushing, you're rushing, and now you're coming down slowly and everything's getting slow and painful, but everything gets happy again once you get the drugs in your system again. It's also a metaphor for love itself. You know, the, the feeling that you feel, you know, first time you fall in love and that energy, and then it starts to get slow and you start to get painful as, you know, things hurt when, you know, you're being pushed away and you're being spurned, but now you're love and you're happy again and everything's all magical and bouncy and fast. And so I get that. And it was a lot like a can-can dance, which is really fast, really hyper. And then everybody's exhausted. So I got those metaphors. I also am a big fan of Greek mythology. And they took a lot of the story of um, Orpheus for this musical, for this period piece. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Orpheus. And Eurydice. And Eurydice, you're correct. I was about to get into his, his wife. Um, Orpheus and... Uh, what? Eurydice. Eurydice's had a, a great love story. She died and went to hell. Or went to the underworld. He has to go down to the underworld. He makes an agreement with the gods that he can bring her back from the underworld as long as he doesn't turn around and look at her. And for some reason, he gets all the way up to the doorway of the underworld and has to take one one look at her to make sure she's still behind him because he doesn't believe that she's still behind him. And because he looks, she gets taken back down to the underworld and he doesn't get her back. So I can see how they kind of work that into this movie of... You know, Christian did everything he could to get her, and by 
pulling her away from everything. In the end, when he finally got her and he thought he was happy, he loses her. It's kind of the same story. That's where they got the idea for this movie from. I loved those little aspects of things that they worked into the movie. I thought it was well done in that respect. Do I want to go out and watch this movie again? Not terribly. The whole reason I'm giving it, even the review I'm giving it above a 1.5, is the music. Because I like the music, and I could actually put this movie on, listen to the music in the background while I'm doing other things. Okay, well there you go, 2.5. 2.5, 1.5, and a 1 from me. Is this an absurd movie? This would, I think, count as one of our absurds. Should we pick our next movie from the Bronco Helmet? Yeah, we'll do that right now. Could we please? All right, we are going to pick our next film. I chose last, which was Moulin Fucking Rouge. God, I'm so glad to put that behind us. And I think I pulled out Blues Brothers. Who pulled out John Wick. Oh, you did. No, was John Wick before that? Yeah. Wait, Blues Brothers, Peanut Butter Falcon, John Wick, and now here we are. How about I just draw? Okay, you know what? We're just going to let John draw. (laughs) I like this. Okay. This one next week will apparently be a period piece. Apparently? Well, you know, because this wasn't a a period piece this week. It wasn't. It was a fucking musical. I don't know who put this in the helmet, but we will be seeing Atonement. You are all welcome. I have never seen this movie. Tell me a little bit about it, Don. I've never seen it. I, I have not seen this either. Then why are you saying you're welcome? Do you even know anything about it? Uh, it has Kira Knightley in it. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So enjoy, bitches. All right. So that is going to do it for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. We really appreciate you uh, listening to us. John, where can they find us? They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us on any popular or even unpopular podcasting hosting site. I put this bitch everywhere. You can also find us on our Facebook page, Twitter, uh, Instagram, I believe. We now have an Instagram page. And you can just find us in Don's basement. There you go. All right. So for Three Guys in a Flick, my name is Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Anything you guys talk about now, I just have to cut out until yeah. we get that. And, you know, this is taking forever, kind of like this movie. I had to read Julie's review because I thought that just summed it up perfectly. That's great. You can put glitter on a piece of shit, and all you do is you get a shiny piece of shit. Yeah, it's we, still shit. Yeah, we heard you the first time, bud. Fuck. This guy and his wife always blah, 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 blah. All right, so who drew Milan Rouge? I'm just fucking with you, dude. Oh, I know. I'm just kidding.